What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 69 of the Tucson Pinball Podcast. Welcome to Wayne's World. So in honor of the funniest number in the universe, uh, we are going to talk about the funniest guy in all of pinball. And uh, Mr. Jeff Teolis is going to finish second to Josh Sharp. <laughs> so uh, this podcast was supposed to happen around April 1st, and um, I got sick and got a cough, and then I got lazy, and, you know, we're right on time. We're right on time, right on schedule. That's the way things go with the Tucson Pinball Podcast. So um, what we're going to do here is we're going to kind of work backwards with some of the IFPA's uh, April 1st posts. And if you don't know, Josh Sharp is the president of the IFPA, and I have a feeling he might be the only one that posts on the IFPA Facebook page. And here's some of the posts. So, um Sometimes then here's here's the funny part about it. Sometimes um sometimes they're fake and sometimes they're real. <laughs> and um going back it's it's actually not been a yes no yes no yes no alternating um history. Um and I kind of just wanted to work backwards to uh probably the most infamous one and kind of chat about things along the way. So Anyways, um, we're still in 2023, miraculously. Uh, we haven't fallen that far behind. So um, this year, 2023, the IFP, IFPA posted uh, that there's going to be a 30% Whopper bonus to any event that has a Pulp Fiction. And that's obviously fake, but it's, you know, it's right up, right up Josh's alley. Uh, Josh was kind of the rules designer on Pulp Fiction that Chicago Gaming is making and uh, raw thrills and play mechanics designed and came up with. Um, not available on public location play or anything like that, unless you're in uh, Interium in Chicago, because what I discovered yesterday while watching the Fox City's pinball stream um, is that they have one in Chicago, which is pretty cool. And they showed it a couple times. And, you know, at the very beginning of the first time it got shown, it was like, oh, yeah, you know, this would definitely have to be in the modern, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it was just kind of like very like definitive and i'm like well i don't know like dna gets thrown in classics sometimes you can make an argument for pulp fiction and then the, the gameplay happened and there was way more ball save and multi-ball than i remember from texas um and it's not that i didn't experience any of that it's just that i didn't remember it you know that coming up so frequently so Anyways, like, that was one of the longer-playing games that round, and I'm just like, yeah, you know, you throw that in a, you know, if it's a classics tournament or even if it's, like, alternating between modern and classics, like I do at uh, my group match play event, you know, you, you have that show up, and then you have Stars and Old Chicago all in the same round, and it's like, okay, well, Stars and Old Chicago is going to be over in, you know, anywhere between 30 seconds and 10 minutes for a four-player group, and, um, you know, Pulp Fiction could go on for 30 minutes, and it's like, okay, fine, it can be in the moderns. <laughs> but anyways, so, yeah, that was the 2023 uh, IFPA fake post. Well, it, I mean, it wasn't fake. They actually posted it, but it was an April Fool's prank. So 2022, uh, they said that they were expanding the world championships from 64 to 80 players. And if you watched the stream from Germany not too long ago, um, you would have remembered that that post was real. And um, I don't remember 
you know, I didn't when I when I did go back and look through all, and I actually I went to the IFPA Facebook page, and I sat there on my phone and I scrolled and scrolled and scrolled and scrolled and scrolled until I found April first for the last several years, and I didn't read any or I didn't read many of the follow up dates because sometimes he comes in and is like, oh, just kidding, that one actually, um, yeah, sorry guys, um, but yeah, I mean, so typically there's there's an echo of like, no, no, we're actually doing that. So, um, but yeah, that was real. Uh, they went from 64 to 80 players. They kind of opened up um, some at-large opportunities, and uh, I think that was that was kind of cool. Um, and then I, I don't know what that did to kind of their qualifying timing or you know field of players or whatever. But uh, you know that's cool. Um, there's obviously for the World Championships, you can't make it an open tournament, but uh, going from 64 to 80 to maybe satisfy some of those. You know, things where you're like, nah, you know, we feel like a few people that maybe should have been on this list kind of got left out because of, you know, whatever, country restrictions or whatever. So um, that is a change. And I listened to a couple guys that were kind of on the bubble one year to the next and um, on their podcast. And they were talking about it and they were like, yeah, this is um, presents a better opportunity for me. So I appreciate that. So, you know, 64 to 80. That's cool. Um, I think you could probably go up to. Um, oh, I don't know, 128, you know, that's kind of 64. If you look at a bracket going up to 128, that just doubles the size of the bracket. So I would say if they, if they've been running with 64 for a while and they wanted to expand, I, I could see, you know, down the road, if, you know, IFPA got to like 50,000 active players in a year, maybe 128 was the cap. Cause then going and doubling that again, um, that's probably too large. So, anyways, um, that was real. 2021. And this is the one that, uh, <laughs> this one got me kind of excited. And, uh, yeah, that was kind of, you know, hey, um, spoiler alert, this is, this one's going to be fake. So, the, uh, the post was IFPA Berg. And if you've been in this hobby longer than COVID <laughs> has existed, um, yeah, you will have remembered Pimberg, and if you were fortunate enough to ever attend a Pimberg, you will know that that is an amazing tournament. And it's it, at this point, it's legendary. And I, I don't know what kind of situation would have to arise for 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 like a Pimberg. I mean, if they if Pittsburgh did it again, they would call it Pimberg. But like, I don't even know what like a you know I what if Tucson held something like that? Would you call it Tuxburg or like you have to? Without the pin, it doesn't really say pinball, but without the Berg, it doesn't really, you know, that's kind of synonymous with Pinberg, and that's kind of how, you know, I, I've seen mimic tournaments that are, you know, 64 players or, you know, 100 players or 120-some-odd or, you know, whatever it is, like, and they, they have that Berg at the end, and it's like, but you're not a Berg, but, like, if you see Berg with a pinball tournament, you, like, almost instantly recognize that, like, this should be the format. It should be... You know they're going to have banks, whether it's three a bank of three games or four bank or uh, four games. You know, Pimberg was four games, um, but I have seen it kind of condensed down to a three game bank, but still using kind of that same style. And um, you know, you have three separate days. You have one day of um, of sorting into your divisions, and then the second day is division play, and you're trying to get into the top however many. And Pinberg, the last couple of years, it was you know 200 per division, and then you want to be in your top 40 within that division at the end of the second day. Because the third day was finals, and top 40 made finals. And if you made finals, you got cash, um, and that was cool. So, um, yeah, there was – and it's 
Okay, so let's go through the rest of the post, and then we'll kind of discuss some of my because this is this is the one that like really it, it got got my wheels turning more than anything else. Um, so, and this is the, the first line was that I I remember picking up, and I mean it's the first line of my notes on this topic was uh, fifteen hundred players, and that instantly I was just kind of like, um, I don't know that I believe that because. Was it the last year? I know it was at least the last year. It might have been the last two years, but they went to a thousand players, and that took a lot of work. Even going because they went from I don't remember what it was seven hundred, then eight hundred, then eight forty or eight sixty or something. Then maybe it was a thousand, a thousand, because I did five of them. So the very last year, it was a thousand, uh, five divisions A through E, two hundred players per division, and. Uh, I don't even remember how many banks, and then they had they had more backup games than like we had in Tucson at the time. <laughs> you know, um, it was just such a large undertaking that in order to jump that up to fifteen hundred players, uh, that just seems very ambitious. <laughs> and let alone the logistics or even just the sheer volume of where do you find all of those games? Because they didn't have those games. You know, like, was it like 15 or 20 of those games were Keith Elwins? And they they borrowed a couple from several other places. And not every game at, at Replay FX belonged to the Replay Foundation. So, um, But this is where it gets cool, right? So um, the rest of the post went on to say there would be regional feeders in Banning, California, Starfighters in Mesa, Arizona, uh, District 82 in Wisconsin, Pinball Asylum in Florida, The Sanctum in Connecticut, um, which that sounds cool. Uh, $250 entry, which was more, well, the cost of getting into replay and into Pinburg, it was about $250. Um, top 10% would go to finals at one location. And I don't, so the top 10%, I think that's kind of, mm, it's kind of a challenge because if you're watching any of the streams right now, <laughs> this has, you know, we're, we're, several months behind on, on getting this podcast out. But I'm going to say, if you've been watching any of the streams this weekend, um, you'll know that uh, Southern Fried Game Room Expo is going on right now, and they have their own tournament. And then Interium up in Chicago, uh, Andy Bagwell is running a weekend of tournaments, and Fox City's Pinball, Tom Graff is there streaming the whole thing. And uh, Southern Fried is, is being streamed as well. They've had uh, – they had – I think they're going to have like three different women's tournaments and multiple open tournaments by the time this weekend is over. So like they have a pretty large attendance as well. But you look at the name runs between Chicago and Georgia right now, and it's it's a huge difference of, you know, just kind of like the top, let's just say like the top 250 players in IFPA. Like how many of them are in Chicago compared to how many of them are in Georgia? And there's a lot more in Chicago than there are in Georgia. And that's fine. Like, you can go – I mean, that's – oh, my, what a, what a hard problem to, to live through is there's so many good tournaments happening on the same weekend sometimes that you have to make a choice. Oh, my. Uh, you know, so it's it's one of those things where it's like you have a wealth of, of events going on, and that's amazing. And that's one of the things why I sit there and go, okay, the top 10% from each location go to finals at a, at a single location, which I don't know what that could be, um, maybe something slightly more central, but – you're crossing off five really good locations by having uh, regionals there, but then they can't hold finals, in my opinion. So you'd have to have something kind of central U.S., maybe, uh, let's see, I don't know, Texas or 
Uh, Chicago's really close to District 82. Like, you can't have it be right next door, I think. But um, a lot of guys and gals from Chicago go to District 82 because it's a several-hour drive and it's convenient and there's tons of points available there. So um, on on the surface, I was so excited. <laughs> I, I was reading that, and most of the way through, I was totally oblivious to what day it was. And I was just like, oh, my God, it's happening. You know, because we'd only been one year removed from um, Replay Foundation shutting down and, and selling off all their games. Like, that was literally the end of the hope of Pinburg happening again was when Replay sold off all their collection. And so to see th- something like that, and it's like, okay, if it takes a, a collaborative effort, like, this is really cool. But going back to the, okay, there's a, a concentration of talent in certain areas, you know, you've got in the Indisc area, you've in California, you've got a lot of really good talent. In Chicago, you've got a lot of re- really good talent. And in these various areas, you have, I mean, Phoenix is one of those too. They're, I don't know that they're an up and coming anymore. I think they're there. <laughs> you know, you, ha- I don't know how many top 250 players are up in Phoenix at this point, but it, there's several. Um, you know, so you can make an argument that that Phoenix is a hub, which is maybe why they were included on this list of five that wasn't it's not even real anyway but i got so worked up over it because i was just like this is so exciting because i miss pinberg more than um i mean there's a lot of stuff that's currently going on that i really enjoy as well that happens every year but like pinberg is one of those things that it's like i i don't know what i would have to how do i phrase this i don't know what i'd be willing to give up that's currently going on or like currently is a thing or whatever. Like what would I trade to have Pinberg back? And that's like, you break the question down. It's like, I, I want Pinberg back. Yes. And then it's like, okay, well, you know, deal with the devil. What are you giving up? It's like, Hmm, what are my choices? <laughs> you know, like I don't want to make that decision. I just want to go to Pinberg. Um, so anyways, that was, I, I think that, in this this po- like I'm not the only one that got excited by this post. Um, I think this one, if anything, like if there could be a way to like fairly distribute where top players could and should go. Um, but again, then it's like okay, well if you if you say like every five rankings, you know, so okay, top seed in the world gets invited to. You know, let's just go down the list. So, so the, the number one seed gets invited to Banning. The number two seed gets invited to Starfighters or assigned to, not invited to, assigned to. And then number three goes to District 82, four goes to Pinball Asylum, five goes to the Sanctum. Then six gets assigned to Banning. And, you know, you just kind of go down the list until you get through, you know, the first 200, 250 players, 300 players, I don't know, whatever. And then it's, you know, whatever you're closest to. You know, it's it's one of those things where it's like, how do you distribute the players most evenly so that, you know, because only the top 10% are going to go to the finals at a single location. So if you have a huge concentration of players in, in District 82, and then I walk up to Starfighters and qualify for A, then I'm going to go to Nationals, and I'm going to go, you know, me as a, you know, give or take 1,000-ranked player, I'm going to go to Nationals, and I'm going to have, you know, potentially... A, a lot of top tier players and it's like do i belong there i don't know i mean yes i earned it but did i really earn it <laughs> you know so um if something could be figured out like that where everything was distributed and maybe just do it like 
you know, if you get on the list, if you like everybody remembers hitting F5, F5, F5 and doing it on your phone and on the on your computer and, you know, having your friends do it and, and everybody texting, be like, OK, I got tickets, you know, here we're in. And, you know, it's it was a mad scramble. But maybe you just say, OK, player number one, you're assigned, you know, OK, so everything happens. You have your ticket. Now you're just in the list. And then, the top, you know, it's a thousand people. And the highest ranked player in the world that is on the Pinberg list, they get assigned to one location. And then the next person on the list, according to IFPA rank, gets assigned to another location. Like, economically, that's not really fair, but pinball-wise, I think that's probably the most fair way to do it. And then you have probably a, a proper proportion from each location going to the finals in middle America somewhere. So... I mean, in that situation, yeah, somebody somebody's going to get hosed. They're going to get sent across the country, and then somebody's going to hit the jackpot and be like, sweet, that's my local place, <laughs> you know? So um, is it perfect? No. But, uh, you know, what are you, what are you willing to deal with to, to have another Pinberg experience? Um, and I've got a few more comments on, on – actually, you know what? Let's just not even go to 2020 yet. So um, on the Pinberg front, though, I – Pinberg 2016 was different than Pinberg 2019, right? So in, I think it was, was it 2015, 2016? Um, I think it took like 43 minutes for Pinberg to sell out. And your casual player is not going to sit there and be like, oh, I think a tournament I was supposed to sign up for, I think that opened like a half an hour ago. You know, like most casual players, they only hear about it at the next tournament that's local when all the the guys that are crazy enough to go travel all this stuff are like sweet i got into pinberg did you did you did you you know like everybody's talking about it and then the new players are like what's a pinberg (laughs) you know and so anyway like i don't know that it really mattered that much as far as the timing because near the like 2019 was the end right so near the end it got more and more challenging to get into pinberg because it went from 43 minutes to 13 minutes to like, I don't know what it was, like 52 seconds. And then 2019, in order to qualify, Replay came back and said, our, you know, whether they, they had this data or their web host, whoever was doing the ticketing, like came back and said, it sold out in 13 seconds. Most E Division players are not gonna, are not gonna be paying enough attention on that day to get tickets. So, Pinberg became more and more top heavy as things went on. And by the time it, you know, 2019 rolled around, it might as well just be the top thousand players, according to ranking, just hitting F5 and everybody gets in anyways. Um, I don't, you know, so like if, if a Pinberg style format came back, I think part of the magic was that no matter what your skill level was, or, you know, no matter how bad you were playing that weekend, um, they had a division for you. And I, I think it, maybe near the end it became more top-heavy than was fun. I, you know, like, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that exactly the way I want to, and it probably comes off as being like, oh, near the end it was not as good. And it's like, no, near the end it was better than ever, and it was more popular than ever. But I think it was a challenge to fulfill and satisfy that full, like, hey, we have A division, and the winner's getting $15,000 in this big freaking trophy and you know it's a huge deal and ebay sponsored it and terrible pinball company sponsored it 
um, we'll we'll talk a little trash on another show about that one. But you know, it was Pinberg was magical, and from 2015 to 2016 to 2017 to 18 and 19, like as I registered each year, and in the last year, like I didn't even get it. I had a friend that got in, and he messaged saying you need a ticket? And I said, yes. And that's how I got in. And, you know, like sometimes you just get lucky and sometimes you're bad and you show up and you're the, the last person in on the wait list two years in a row. <laughs> like sometimes you're really lucky. Um, but no, that's, that's actually a cool story. I, I, I need to have Ben tell that story someday. Um, I've got some Pinberg 2019 stories that I want to tell and, and Ben's got a few even better stories. So um, maybe some year we'll do that. Um but anyways, um, Pinberg is awesome, and if that was – if there was any way to do like a collective method to recreate that experience, even if it wasn't something that D and E Pinberg division level players, you know, were even aware of or, or cared to get into or tried to get in with all the, the chaos of the registering and tickets and all that stuff, um, I think it would still be a ton of fun, and so I am – eternally hopeful that someday something will will come about um and we can have like a full thousand person pinberg again there are alternative tournaments that are um, in place uh there's three of them that actually follow really close the pinberg format and some of them are really really close um yegpin had what like 240 players and i think they were doing um I think they had four game banks and they did a three day thing where the first day was, and they had a great term for it. And I can't remember what it was, but like for the first day, like what that was, that was kind of like your sorting day or something. Oh yeah, that's what it was. They they call it sorting day. Cause somebody mentioned the sorting hat from Harry Potter or something like that. And so, yeah, they called day one sorting day. And then day two was your division play. And then day three was finals. Um, and another tournament that does that is cactus jacks. And I think they were doing three player banks and, um, but other than that, it was still four-player groups, and I think it was three days of quali- you know three days of total event time. Um, and then the the third one that it comes to mind is uh, the Starfighters, um, and I've missed that the last two years, which is unfortunate because it's like the closest opportunity to do that and of that format. But you know what? Third time's a charm. I'll get up there one day. <laughs> um, but yeah, like so there are and there's there's smaller tournaments that do that as well. Um, I didn't look at it too in depth. Um, I got I got sidetracked that day. But Tommy Skinner just ran a pub burg um, in Lafayette, Indiana, a couple weekends ago. I think it was last weekend, and it was a 64 player Pimberg style thing. But I I don't think it was um, multiple days. I think it was like a 10 or a 12 hour event start to finish or something like that um but it was meant or maybe it was a rolled into a two-day thing with finals on the second day something like either way it was you know a smaller format but using that same kind of format as or a smaller player account but it was a you know using that same format so pimberg is still alive in a lot of people's minds and hearts and uh you know there's there's emulation and recreation but you know man i'd love to have the real thing back and i'd like to go to gauchos again <laughs> so anyways uh back in 2020 uh you know the height of all things fun in the world of um world worldwide pandemics um josh posted that 
They were moving the IFPA World Championships from Pinball Asylum in Florida to the IFPA headquarters, a.k.a. Josh's house. And due to travel restrictions and I think the state of Illinois was kind of grumpy as well um, about several restriction opportunities and requirements and everything. But uh, basically only Josh was going to be eligible because only Josh was going to be uh, have access to IFPA headquarters and so only Josh was going to play, and so therefore Josh was going to win. So Josh was the uh, 2020 uh, IFPA World Champion. Uh, that was fake, obviously, <laughs> but that was that was pretty clever. That was a good one. I I kind of liked that one. I was reading it. I was like, oh well. I mean, he he does run the IFPA. Like he could just do like you know there would be people who would not be happy about that, but whatever. <laughs> it was funny. Um, 2019, Indisc becomes the fifth major, and that was real and very short and sweet. Um, and that was that was the fifth major. And since then, we've lost Pinburg, that was a major, and then the uh, the Papa World Championships, also run by the Replay organization. Um, which, yeah, they did Replay Effects, which is where Pinburg was held. So when when Replay went away, when the Replay Foundation went away, we lost two majors. That's a big deal. So, anyway, so now Indisc is one of three majors. Are they doing a fourth? Did they add one? I don't remember. I can't keep up with this. I don't. I'm not eligible for any of this stuff anyway. So I just kind of, when it pops up on my my Twitch app and it's like, hey, you know, IE Pinball is streaming in disc, unless I'm there, um, which I haven't been in a while, um, you know, or or whatever. Or Fox Cities, it's going to be in Wisconsin here soon, I think. Right? Uh, I think next year it is. Either way, so that'll be cool. Uh, 2018, the Stern Pro Circuit Championship. To become the fifth major. <laughs> that was fake. Um, the Stern Pro Circuit Championship is really a cool event. It was way cooler when they had classic Sterns in there as well. Because uh, now it's just, you know, you know quote unquote, just. Now it's uh, just a Sternament, modern Sterns, and eh, it could use a little variety. You know, like, it was kind of cool watching guys step up to meteor and galaxy and stars and <laughs> it was not so cool watching you know they'd stream one game on stars and then they'd go switch over to star wars and that had zero ball save and everybody was just short plunging and hoping that they put it on a flipper because you know nobody was actually skill shot plunging on that game because um yeah that one's that one's tough and when there's you know, Dwight put two ball saves in that game, and then Josh turned all of them off. And it's like, yeah, when you have uh, somebody winning the Stern Championship um, with like, what did what did Andy Rosa have on that game? He had like four million on Star Wars, and he won the game. And it's just like, eh, something's not. You know, there's the the combination is just a little off on that. <laughs> but uh, anyways, yeah. So that one was fake, 2018. So. Uh, this is this is the one I was digging for, and I cannot believe it was way back in 2017. I actually remember exactly where I was when I read this. So 2017, um, this is actually uh, in my notes. It says March 31st, 2017. So it wasn't even April 1st that it was posted. It was March 31st, and I'll just call this the dollar. So I was at a trampoline place up in Phoenix. It was one of... Um, the cousins, the kid, you know, our, our kids, the cousins, birthdays, 
And so they were having their birthday party and, you know, they live up in Phoenix. And so we went up there. They were doing it at this big trampoline park and it was really cool. It was fun. And I took a break and I was sitting down and I was just kind of scrolling through and I'm like, a dollar? Wait, what? (laughs) And then I was just kind of reading through it and I was like, all right, whatever. So prior to this, um, in order in the U.S., in order to turn in results to the IFPA, you just turned in the results. You you populated stuff after the tournament was done. You made sure there's no typos and hope you did everything good. And you copy pasted your link in and everything was good. And then you submitted to the IFPA and that was that. Well, then it came out that in the future that was going to cost you a dollar per player. And there was, oh my gosh, there was so much bickering and arguing and discussing and you know some pretty decent ideas and some just insanity like pinside just was nuts and i don't even remember if tilt forms existed at that point um but that was probably where the rationale the more rational conversation was going on because that's just and tilt forms is more of like a tournament player site anyways and uh pinside is just like kind of the general internet in general (laughs) um there's some good places but there's some just absolute dumpster fire. So anyways, um, the premise was that, you know, the tournament director was responsible for submitting the results and paying a dollar per player in order for those results to post. And Josh was like, I don't care where that dollar comes from. You can charge, you know, the TD can pay for everybody. The the TD can charge each person a, a dollar, get the location of sponsor, you know, whatever whatever it is. I don't care where the dollar comes from. Here's some ideas, but it's going to be a dollar. (laughs) And what that was going towards was 75% of it was going to the state um, championship prize pool. And 25% would go to the national championship prize pool. And the way you get to nationals is you win your state. And now it's the North American championship series. So now we include Canada as well. Because it used to just be the SES and... Was it just called the was it the provincial championship series? I don't know. Canada had their own thing. America had its own thing. Now we're all the NACS, and um, it's just I guess it's easier that way, and it's fine. Um, but yeah, so now a dollar, you know, seventy five cents of that dollar goes to the Arizona Prize Pool when I play a tournament, and and that's for each player. And so you were. <laughs> It used to be that you'd show up. So when I qualified for states and we had it at D and D, I think it was thirty dollars to play per player after you've qualified. <laughs> and what what it was was like twenty dollars went to the prize pool and then ten dollars went to D and D because they dedicated like the back half of their games for us. And it's like you know they're losing coin drop from from this because this is on a Saturday. They would be open anyways, and you know so. $20 prize pool and it's top 16, you know, so you, you have a, a very, very limited cap um, for how much money is going into the prize pool. And I don't even remember what the percentages was of like who all got paid what percentage. I don't, I don't remember what it was. It doesn't matter um, because now the prize pools are bigger <laughs> and that's just all there is to it. And locally, I don't think we got any pushback from, um, you know, like I, I don't collect a dollar for my normal um, league or my my normal tournament stuff. I do collect it for league just because it's there's more people and it's multiple locations, so it's kind. Of, I don't know. It's just easier that that way. Um, 
But, you know, for the first couple of years, I actually had a sponsor. Um, Jesse, family member, is a uh, is a real estate agent, and he sponsored. And it was to the tune of about $300 every year. And that, that covered everything. That covered all the IFPA fees for the year. And so I would, you know, he'd give me a check, I'd deposit it, and then I would put 300 credits onto my my tournament director account <laughs> so um you know it was pretty pretty straightforward and i had done some number crunching and gone looked at the last year or two and it's like uh it's it's very 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 high three or high 200 so you know unless we grow like crazy which i would pay 300 dollars to see some growth around here but um you know uh yeah so that covered that covered everybody for several years you know it was 300 300 300 and that was good um so that's and this year i I didn't. I could ask him, but I didn't because I felt guilty. Because it's like you know, we we advertised his stuff and everything, and it's like yeah, but we have like five or eight people that show up every time, and um, nobody's moving really. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe next year I'll be like, hey, uh, remember that sponsorship? Would you like to do it again? So, anyways, um, but if not, it's it's really not that big of a deal, and that was my choice this year anyway, so it's not a big deal. Um, so anyways, um, clicking on the comments on that, that was that was an interesting kind of thrill ride back in time a little bit. Um, I, I don't think any of these people listen to the show, but <laughs> the first one I wrote down. Uh, so yeah, one comment read, LOL, April Fool's, and that was by Tom Graff. <laughs> uh, another poster, uh, just Ted P., I, the full name was on Facebook, but I'm not really. I'm, Tom's was kind of, kind of a joke, and you know he might eat a little crow on that one. But uh, you know this, this one just said "epic fail," LOL, signed Ted P. But uh, yeah, so th- there was, and then there were some people that were like, "Okay, whatever," you know, it is what it is, and um, yeah. So turns out, hey, guess what? That's real because we've been paying the dollar ever since, and uh, the price pools for the state are great. Um, some states are. A lot easier to get into than others, and sometimes some states you just kind of have to travel to different spots. So <laughs> it's it's been true in Arizona for the last, you know, if you say five years, um, it's kind of weird because two and a half years don't count. But it's basically the last five years. If you want to get into state, you got to travel to Phoenix a lot, and the way Phoenix is blowing up even more, like it's just it's so impressive the the player accounts that they they get on on some of their monthly stuff and even their weekly electric bat is over a hundred players every week on a tuesday that's that's pretty awesome so anyways um some guy air quote some guy in Wisconsin tried to uh incite an i f p a alternative in the comments and he was also doing it on pinside. Uh, he called it a money grab, which was kind of interesting, even though, you know, Josh was like, I'm not seeing any money from this. Actually, we're eating the processing fee, which, yay. Uh, so, you know, that that individual was very, uh, very vocal and used to be a very heavy poster on Pinside and is no longer a heavy poster or even, like, present. Uh, I, I Every now and then you'll do a search for, like, hey, how do I fix this or, you know, trying to remember a conversation so you throw it into google and it's like oh there it is found the thread and you'll scroll past you're like oh hey i remember that guy that's the guy it doesn't say inactive it doesn't say banned it doesn't say like deleted or you know whatever as if he got no longer there he just stopped showing up to pinside and that's probably for the better but anyways yeah the uh, the wisconsin ranking system 
uh, that didn't really take off. And now Wisconsin has their own, you know, massive Whopper farm at District 82. So it's kind of that's that, there's some pretty massive irony there. Uh, Robert Byers, the last quote, Robert Byers, he just says awesome. And I think Robert's probably benefited from the the dollar. So, you know, and I think Tom probably has benefited from the dollar as well. And, you know, if you're a good player and you can make state, you can do well at state. I mean, there's there's money. It's not a lot, but it's more than it used to be anyway. So that was kind of cool. So, uh, yeah. And then the uh, April 2nd update uh, from IFPA said, yeah, this is real. <laughs> and I, I think, you know, everybody just kind of took April 1st to be like, wait, there's no like April 1st post. Like, so was the yesterday one, like the real one? Like, was that, that's a joke. Haha, ha, funny, you know, save my dollars. But um, anyway, so uh, this, so kind of, Coinciding with some semi-recent timing, um, Whopper 6.0 is getting released. Um, they kind of teased it. Well, they were teasing it earlier this year when this podcast was a little bit more timely. Um, but that uh, I think that's been a little bit more cemented as to like how it's going to play out. Because Josh kind of sends out a couple previews, and I don't. They've been pretty well vetted by the, the, I think it's like the five people that make up the IFPA plus state reps, country reps, stuff like that. You know, it's it's pretty well talked about before it's made public anyways, um, all the different various changes that are going to go on. And on this one, um, I, I think everything's going to stick. But originally, so they've got a new balancing system within the top 1,000. And it was going to be different math and it was going to be based on your efficiency percentage, not just hey, here's 20 really good events, you know. So they were going to uh, kind of weigh your efficiency percentage and bring that into how the top 1,000 was calculated. Well, that has a really, really lengthy thread on Tilt Forums. There was a lot of conversation on that. Um, and at some point, it got changed from 1,000 to the top 250 will now be weighted with their efficiency percentage, whereas everybody outside the 250 will not. So if you're in the 250, you can't get bumped out of it because of these new rules. You'll just get shuffled around within the 250. And Josh presents plenty of examples of like, hey, all these people, like, they literally don't move. Like, number one is still number one. Number two is still number two. You know, and you have to go this far before anybody actually shifts. And then out of the top 1,000, there's only a handful of people that, that move more than 50 spots or whatever. And then, but somebody did go through the the spreadsheet that was provided and showed some pretty massive swings, you know, like five, six, seven hundred spots in some very, you know, like three situations. But there's a, a list of several people that would move by a couple hundred spots. And I think that was kind of one of those things where it's like, well, okay, maybe, maybe we'll tighten it up as to the grouping that is going to get affected. And then, there's a whole lot of less, a whole lot less swirl and you know whatever. So, a thousand two fifty, it doesn't really matter to me. <laughs> but um, you know, some people were like, "Well, this is going to affect my my outlook on how many tournaments I, I attend, or whether you know how many large tournaments I attend." Because you know, some formats suit my playing style or my preference better than others, and so I'm going to go to those and. I'm just not going to go to these other ones that I normally would go to because I feel that they'll hurt me. So, um, I, and I think that's kind of a valid conversation to, to be held. Um, it's not like this is none of, none of us are professionals at this spoiler alert, but, um, you know, but 
still, like if if somebody if that's your goal is to be a highly ranked player and you can do things to if not help yourself then to avoid hurting yourself, then I think that's something, you know, to be brought up and discussed anyway. So um going to the top two fifty, that's cool. Uh we'll see we'll see how that goes. I think there's some other percentaging stuff that's gonna change as far as uh TGP and certified events, but um they're not nothing's coming to mind, so obviously nothing super crazy. But uh yeah, anyway, so um Josh has fun on April first, uh when he has access I mean, not when he has access, when he decides to uh, log into the IFPA Facebook account. So if you're scrolling through Facebook and April's just begun, you know, just kind of pay attention <laughs> to what's going on because um, it, it might be a joke or it might be, you know, hey, we're going to bring back Pinberg and then they just break your heart. So um, anyways, it's all in good fun. Um, I think Teolas probably can write some better jokes, but, uh, you know, maybe maybe give Jeff a few chances at, uh, you know, April Fool's on, on the IFPA site. So. Either way, um, hopefully the next one won't take, uh, I don't know, six months to do uh, as far as podcasts go. So, um, yeah, if it is six months from now, then, hey, you know, sorry, but whatever. (laughs) We'll catch you next time. Party on. Party on, Wayne. Party on, Garth. It's Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Party time. Excellent. And we're clear.